Welcome to another episode of the Teaching Canada's History podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Campbell, and today we are speaking with the finalists for the 2023 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. For more information about the Governor General's History Awards, visit canadashistory.ca slash awards. Today I'm speaking with El Andrea Itzo, an elementary school teacher in Stouffville, Ontario. Welcome, Andrea, and thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you. I'm uh, very excited to be here today. Great. Well, let's just dive right on in then. Can you share an overview of the project that you've designed and explain the key steps that your students took in their work? Definitely. I'm very excited to talk about this project and um, the basic overall arch of the project was that students were learning about a soldier that they had selected from the number two construction battalion, which was an all black uh, battalion formed during World War One. But before I go into great depth about the project and what the students did, I need to acknowledge a few uh, and introduce a few people that were a part of the project with me. Uh, and it will make sense as we go through how different uh, voices and different um, resources helped make this project uh, realized in the classroom. So first of all, I was uh, approached by Rebecca Mitchell and Christina Blake, who are educators at the York Region District School Board, where I work, uh, and they're uh, the museum team there. And they had worked with a historical researcher named Kathy Grant, who is part of the Legacy Voices Project at BlackCanadianVeterans.com. She is the historical researcher who has helped bring a lot of the historical information that my students used as research to light in a book that she wrote and in some projects that she's doing. And so Kathy and the staff at the York Region uh, District School Board Museum and Archives um, approached me with this idea of commemorating the number two construction battalion um, in the classroom. So, of course, I was extremely excited to do this pilot project with them. The museum and archives team had developed a special mapping tool, a digital mapping tool using Google Maps. And that was part of the whole like trial and error of this uh, pilot project. Um, a little bit of background as well, historically, because, uh, you know, I wouldn't be a history teacher if I didn't mention a little bit of the history. <laughs> um, and I'll start off by just saying um, in 2002, sorry, in, in 2022, um, Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau did issued a formal apology to the members and the families of the number two construction battalion because of some of the uh, discrimination that they faced during the enlistment period in 1914, 1915. Uh, leading up to World War I. Um, in August of 1914, enlistment began for the First World War, and hundreds of um, black soldiers were being turned away, while thousands and thousands of um, non-black soldiers were being accepted into the Canadian ranks. So a number of um, black Canadian soldiers started to protest using letter campaigns and other forms of protest, and eventually, two years later, the Department of Defense and Militia of the Canadian government authorized the formation of the number two construction battalion. Eventually, almost 600 soldiers enlisted and sailed to Liverpool, uh, where they were. It was because it was not quite large enough to be considered a full uh, combat battalion. 
these soldiers were sort of um, redeployed as a labor company working in forestry operations in the southeast of France. Their role in the war was largely forgotten after World War I because they were not combat soldiers. And it's only in the last 20, 30 years that their historical story has come to light. And of course, the apology from uh, the government was a big part of that. So how do we get that story out into the students' um, hands and allow them to do the appropriate research and learning and commemoration? One of my biggest challenges uh, also was I had, in, uh, which required me to be a little bit more uh, creative, is that in Ontario, the grade eight history curriculum stops in 1914 because we would normally learn about World War One in grade ten. Uh, so, in the themes all fit the strand B of the history curriculum, so that was okay um, thematically. And so I, I turned it more into like a language project where students were doing historical research, we're learning about history um, and, and primary source evidence and all that stuff. But it was more of like a, also displaying it and uh, demonstrating their learning through a website. So the students ended up creating a website about their soldier. And the idea was that they would do the research, create a website using um, Google Sites, uh, which would kind of act like a virtual museum exhibit page. That was kind of how we I asked them to develop it. And that website would also have like general information about the history of the number two construction battalion, um, a lot of like deep dive information about their particular soldier that they had selected, and then their mind map, uh, sorry, my map, which is the Google map, like the custom Google map that they got to create, which would plot like the major events and moments in the life of the soldier and try to track his deployment. So there was a lot of geography learning in that too. So this was also satisfying some of the geography, mapping skills, uh, curriculum um, expectations. And it was really cool because um, students had a lot of interesting other learning things that came about, um, a lot of extensions. Some students went more the ge genealogy route and did a lot of genealogical research on their soldier and learned a little bit more about their family background. Um, they learned about research skills, um, developing um, ideas based on like primary source evidence. Some of the primary sources for them, uh, the main source was the attestation papers uh, where the when the soldiers had first registered with the military and enlisted. And a lot of it was written in cursive. So that was a fun activity because students had no idea how to read cursive writing. Um, funny enough, the, in Ontario, the language curriculum was just updated last month and is now going to reintroduce the idea of teaching students about cursive writing uh, and all the historians and um, archivists around the world are cheering uh, <laughs> and celebrating this move um, while some others are scratching their heads but anyway in this case it was it's, it's kind of helpful that they learn cursive so we did a little bit of that um, but it also prompted a lot of historical questions from the students like you know, the occupations of the soldiers, often the students had no idea what they were. Like, what's a clergyman or what's a teamster? What's a laborer? What is that? So what we've, what I, what the students found was that by doing research, it actually created more questions. And that was really um, awesome to see. And it meant that, you know, as a history teacher, I was doing my job <laughs> well. So that, that turned out really nicely. 
Um, yeah, so the, I think, well, with the, with the help of the uh, educators at the museum and archives, we had a list of about, like, I think it was like 20 soldiers that we looked into. For example, Huber Nathaniel Greenridge, uh, who was uh, born and lived in Georgetown in British Guyana. He had enlisted in Winnipeg in 1916, and he was also a medical student. And he uh, was actually the first black student to graduate from the University of Manitoba. And he served in the number two construction battalion. So two students in my classroom named Ashmeha and Nolan had looked into his life and made a, 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 created a website about him. So at the end of the day, we had about 15 different websites. And then on Remembrance Day, um, in the school, we opened up our classroom like a museum slash open house for the number two construction battalion. We invited all the classes from, we have a pretty large school, all the classes from grades four, five, six, and seven to come and tour the open house, learn a little bit more about the number two construction battalion and hear presentations from the students about the soldier that they had researched. So um, that was a really long answer to say that uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We learned a lot of uh, digital literacy skills and research skills and historical uh, thinking skills. The MyMap element that the students used is a really uh, interesting tool because it, if you picture basically a Google map, but it's uh, empty and the students can go in and populate the information and the data and the location points that are of significance, then they can create something with a map that is tied to a specific theme. So for example, if the students had researched the birthplace or the enlistment location and the deployment location, uh, these are points on a map that the students could research, find, and then add a specific custom pinpoint. And the, the, the Google Maps, My Maps tool is really neat because it allows students to customize what the pins look like. Um, you can add like lines connecting, there's, so there's a lot of that like thematic mapping geography skills that were part of this project as well. And it's all part of you know digital literacy. And that's also where the students I found were able to show a lot of creativity because I was very open-ended as to what to put in the map. And it was really neat to see what the kids ended up putting in the map. Um, and, and it was also really nice to see uh, soldiers coming, like I mentioned from the Caribbean, coming up to Canada to enlist, uh, specifically in Nova Scotia and Truro, where the, the base um, and the training was happening a lot. And then also in Europe, where the deployment was happening. So now we've got this like internationally um, involved map, and the students are feeling like they're creating their own Google map, which is a tool they use at home, I'm sure, very often. And so that was a very special part of the project as well. There's a lot of hands-on learning taking place. Um, and as you explained, it really did take on this interdisciplinary approach, which I think is really, um, really fun and, and a great way to great way to learn. Um, can you speak to how your students were able to utilize and deepen their historical thinking throughout this work? Yeah, and thank you for mentioning the interdisciplinary piece. Um, as an elementary school teacher, I do have that flexibility where I don't have to work in a silo of like one subject at a time. I, I really get to, and one of the things I love about my job is I get to really explore the curriculum in very creative ways, but also incorporate lots of different curriculums in one learning objective or project. Um, but as it, with my history teacher hat and uh, my geography teacher hat as well, um, the historical thinking concepts uh, in the project, I, I, 
we, we were sh- sort of short on time. And I, what I would have loved to do better was explicitly like teach those historical thinking concepts to uh, 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 the deeper degree with the students and say, well, this is why you're learning about cause and consequence and how it all forms. But and that's something I think I'm going to do more in the future. But if I had to tease out some of the details, I would say that um, there's definitely historical significance, right? The students had to determine what was significant about the soldier's life. What do I want to include on the website? What do I don't want to include? Um, what's worth putting on a digital museum exhibit website? Uh, and how do we prominently show? some information as more significant than other information. The students also learned about primary so using primary source evidence. Uh, we provided the students with some of the primary sources, and we also encouraged them to go out and find more on the internet. When you are doing primary source research into this type of thing, it's really hard to find good evidence and, uh, you know, without going in deeper into the archives and that sort of thing. So they didn't, they they learn they definitely learn the hard way that it's it's not easy to find primary sources from the past, but the ones we did find were helpful. Uh, it allowed the students to rethink about how bias sometimes creeps in, um, or historical um, historical biases and realities are are a part of what we examine when we look at primary sources. Um, we talked a lot about cause and consequence as well. One of the the larger um, learning objectives I wanted to get out of the students was that you can affect social change through protest or by trying to right, you know, wrongs that are in the world, that social justice piece. And what was nice about this is that uh, we were talking about how soldiers found that there was something wrong in the world. They were not being um, allowed to enlist. Now the government at the time did not have a formal policy that disallowed black soldiers from enlisting. Uh, the government instead allowed local um, enlistment officers to make decisions about who could join and who couldn't join. But by and large, the experience of these soldiers was that they were being turned away. So the soldiers, as I mentioned before, started letter writing campaigns. And some of these letters are now um, can be found in the Library Archives Canada. Uh, and there was, I think, I think there was a lot of excitement around the fact that this was affecting social change at the time uh, because you ended up seeing a whole large number of soldiers enlisting in the Canadian military, even though they were not living in Canada. There were soldiers from the States and from the Caribbean islands who were leaving their country to come fight in World War I on behalf of Canada because Canada was, uh, as of 1916, formally allowing black soldiers and, and letting them to, uh, allowing them to enlist. Uh, so the students could see that, you know, cause and consequence, that actions have consequences and change and a little bit of continuity and change in that as well. Lastly, we looked at the ethical dimensions of history, which is that, you know, we can use and apply some of our modern thinking around social justice to examine, you know, historic racism, systemic racism. Uh, and we and a good way to uh, and a good entry point for that was looking at the uh, Trudeau apology and you know does the apology go far enough is it a good first step and and it's all related to reconciliation as well uh, with similar themes around um, indigenous uh, truth and reconciliation and this of official apology so we made some interesting connections there and there's some pre teaching that has to go into that in, in 
that age group, grade eights, you know, teaching them about what is discrimination and um, what is systemic racism and all that sort of thing. So lots of like, I guess you could say hidden curriculum here or historical thinking concepts embedded in the project. When you take a step back, what do you think was the biggest impact of the project? Or maybe what were some of the impacts if it's too hard to pick just one? Um, as well as what might have been some of the outcomes that you've seen in your community? I think one of the largest uh, outcomes for the students was that it was maybe one of their first times being exposed to the fact that Canada did not have a perfect track record when it came to um, dealing with people from different marginalized or racialized communities. I think a lot of students were surprised to learn that there was a time in Canadian history that not everyone was welcome to serve because it, for one thing, it seems ridiculous that, you know, Canada had this huge drive for enlistment and some people were being turned away. And also it was, it opened their eyes to the fact that historical and systemic racism was a thing of the past and continues to be challenge uh, a challenge today. But here's a specific example rooted in history. Um, but also, I think it's it's an, the story of the number two construction battalion itself is also in a way encouraging and uplifting because the soldiers were able to affect change through their uh, protesting efforts. One really awesome outcome of this project as well was that the school board itself as part of the fact that they were, we were piloting this new website tool, mapping tool, um, in partnership with the museum and the archives. This, the, <clears throat> the YRDSB came in and created a video, a promotional video about the project and about the number two construction battalion. And some of my students actually got to be a part of that video, which was really exciting for them. Because not only were the students learning about this really engaging and interesting um, historical topic. We had been working on it for a couple, you know, lessons up to this point, but then all of a sudden one day they, this videographer shows up to the classroom and starts videotaping them doing the learning and interviewing them privately in like another room. And I think for them, they were like, wow, you know, they were, there was a lot of proud, uh, pride and ownership of the learning. And that was really cool too. Um, one of my students in my class named Marcus, who is Canadian with Jamaican heritage, uh, he is not the type of student to put his hand up first and offer to be a volunteer to do something. But when the videographer asked for volunteers to be interviewed and like there was just complete silence in the room, you know, Marcus put up his hand and was like, I, I'll, I'll volunteer. And that was really like a huge moment for me and for him, I think, and his confidence and his growth. Um, and, you know, and after that, you know, five or six or seven or eight kids ended up putting up their hands and, and saying, yeah, I'll be interviewed as well. And that, that video ended up being about five, six minutes and it's on the school board's YouTube channel. And I, watching the video back with the class like months later or a, a month later or so on Remembrance Day or after Remembrance Day was really special because again, it was that pride and that ownership piece. And, and, it, and I think they felt that the learning that they were doing was important. And it was, and it, and it is. Uh, and the, I also mentioned before the open house that we had on Remembrance Day. I think grade eight is a very special year in elementary school because they are the leaders of the school. They are like, you know, heading off to high school and they are in a building trapped with kids from like five-year-olds all the way up to 13-year-olds. And they feel they, that's a struggle for them sometimes. So 
giving them positive learning opportunities. Like you're going to host this open house on Remembrance Day and, and you're going to teach other students about, you know, this important historical story. I think for them, like, again, the confidence and the uh, enjoyment level was really, really high. And uh, definitely this is a project I'm going to try again next year um, in uh, October and November. Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate you joining me today and sharing more about this project with our listeners. Uh, Thank you for having me and thanks for talking about the project.